Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you are a keen and repeat listener, you know that that is a brand new opening. We'd like to thank our engineer, Mr. Byron Lee, for that. And stay tuned for some announcements on how you can help us open the show every week. But let's get to tonight's show. And that is the emotions surrounding racial slash social justice. I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony Corona. I am, of course, as always, joined by Gabriel lopez Cafati, president of Blind Pride International. Say hi, Gabe. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pride Connection. And Leah Gardner, vice president of BPI. Say hi, Leah. Hey, everybody. I am currently in the uh, morass of 95 degree Northern <laughs> California. However, um, I'm going to disappoint you all and let you know that I will be fading away about uh, 20 minutes before our show is over. Um, that's the uh, that's a trick of live <laughs> live broadcasting. <laughs> I'm actually going to catch a red eye flight to the heat of Miami, a much more uh, humid, <laughs> much more humid heat. But, oh, uh, you're from, it's gonna be you're going down here. Yeah. <laughs> you're going from you're going from ninety five to hundred, Leah. There we go. There we so, go with with incredible humidity. So, yeah. um, but I wanted to join you all at least for some degree of time this evening because that's how dedicated I am to BPI. You are absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate it. So we took a week off last week and we had an amazing conversation with Sir Ian Buchanan of General Hospital fame, among others, Twin Peaks. Check that out in podcast form. But we're coming back to our racial justice conversation this evening, focusing on the emotions of the conversation at large. And we're going to dive right in it. Gabriel has a president's message and then we are joined by ACB president, Mr. Dan Spoon, President Dan Spoon. He'll talk a little bit, and then we'll get on with Will and Cheryl. So Gabriel, your message, take it away. Thank you, thank you, Anthony. And thank you everyone for joining us tonight on Pride Connection. Um, as you all know, this is a very, rele very relevant, very important subject that BPI has uh, decided to tackle. And this is our third show talking about the subject of racial justice. Uh, we've had expert matters and we continue to have their expertise on the show, Will Burley and Cheryl Cummings. And uh, we've talked a little bit about everything, history, statistics. Uh, we've talked about BLM, uh, the role of society and how we can become allies or co-conspirators of um, social justice and uh, you know, social equality. So without further ado, um, like Anthony mentioned, today we're focusing on the emotions around racial justice and what that means uh, on a person-to-person -person basis. And uh, like Anthony said, uh, we're honored to have uh, with us Dan Spoon, president of ACB, our beloved parent organization. And uh, Dan, uh, please feel free to give your opening remarks and uh, we'll hope you'll stay for the duration of the show if your schedule allows. Uh, well, thank you, Gabriel, and thank you, Anthony, and thank you to BPI and, and the entire community for giving me an opportunity to participate this evening. Uh, are you all hearing me okay? It felt like Gabriel faded out right as I was getting ready to speak. You're yep. doing okay. You did fade out, but I'm back. Yes, and we'll hear yep. you okay, now. You're, okay, good. I was a little worried there that we lost you, Gabe. Okay, good. Uh, so I... 
first of all, I think, you know, the, the most important thing we can do uh, as a community is, is listen. And so I think uh, that is what I'm trying to do. Uh, you know, the best I can is, is to listen and to understand the emotions and where everyone is coming from. But listening is just the first step. Uh, we also will then have to work to take action. Hopefully, we're already doing that. Uh, we in the American Council of Blind, you know, passed two resolutions related to social justice and inclusion uh, at our board meeting that just ended here last week. And I've had an opportunity to work with the Multicultural Affairs Committee as they're putting together kind of a set of uh, initiatives. Uh, related to really educating and, and, and our, our membership and, and continuing the conversation. And so um, my, you know, from my standpoint as the president, I believe we, we need to be intentional. Things do not happen on their own. We have to put a plan together and we have to execute that plan and we have to really work at being inclusive. It just doesn't happen automatically. It, it requires action. And so I hope uh, and I will work with all of our members to try to make that happen here, uh, you know, immediately and into the future. Uh, so I, uh, I, I will kind of leave it at that. I would like to just listen and be part of the conversation. Uh, and again, I think uh, I think we are we are ready to take this step. It's been a much needed step, and I think uh, it can only be done by um, by really willing to to listen, to learn, and then to take what we listen and learn and, and to implement it. So uh, I'm here and I'm uh, and I'm listening. Well, Dan, thank well, you so much for using Dan. the word listening so much because this is part one of the the uh third leg of our conversation tomorrow night at 7 30 p.m you will see invites go out on all of the lists tomorrow 7 30 p.m it is an open acb at large conversation for everyone to listen and give their own emotions and feelings surrounding this conversation it's not a debate it's not a back and forth conversation. It's a listening session where we will all have the opportunity to share how we feel. So look for the lists, look for the Zoom invite, and it will not be broadcast on the radio because it is a sensitive conversation and we want everybody to be free and feel free enough to say how they are feeling surrounding this topic. So Leah, why don't you introduce our conversation leaders tonight and let's get right into it. Sure. For those of you who have been listening to our uh, previous two conversations <clears throat> uh, about racial injustice, we have with us again, Will Burley, uh, former president of BPI and uh, lives in the, the state of Texas. And can you remind me, Will, of the uh, group that you actually facilitate um, at work, I, I believe it has. I love the name of it. It's uh, the humility. Um, right. It's our cultural humility. Thank work you. Group. Cultural mm -hmm. humility. It was the it was the cultural that I was tripping over. Mm -hmm. uh, the cultural cultural humility work group. I, I love that. Um, I love that moniker for it because. I think that having humility is is really important when we have these conversations. So thank you for joining us again. Thanks. And welcome back, uh, Cheryl Cummings, who's a member of the um, uh, Multicultural um, Committee uh, with ACB. And um, we've had some really uh, riveting and in-depth conversations with you as well, Cheryl. So it's uh, it's good to have you back again. Oh, thank you for inviting me back. I'm glad to be here. And one of our valued allied members, Cheryl Cummings. <laughs> Cheryl Absolutely. and Tim Cummings, yes. yes. And um, so 
tonight, you know, we're talking about kind of the um, emotional, I think, um, wear and tear um, that our current situation societally when it comes to race and ethnicity. Um, And Will, I believe it was you that, that proposed that topic. And I'm kind of wondering if you want to elaborate on why you think that this is critical and why you wanted to further our discussion this evening. Yeah. It, and uh, if I could put it in a, a single word, this time is very triggering. Um, mm. You know, we live in the social media age so everybody is on the quick draw <laughs> to put mm. their comments, um, even when information is not known. And it's, you know, on every side. Um, and then we're all trying to learn um, at the same time. And it's like we're talking at one another rather than listening to one another. Um, And I know for me personally, you know, I'm lucky. Um, I have an employee assistance program at work that I've really had to utilize um, quite a bit um, this year. Um, I think the 2020... (laughs) has been triggering on on a lot of aspects, not just racial, mm-hmm. racial yeah. injustice, but, you know, and I think we overlook the toll that this conversation is having, even though it's important, um, combined with COVID. So it, it, we need to start looking at that so we can come together. I, I want to ask you both if you could start maybe from this point. Uh, recently, there was a video or a set of videos from a couple of different body cams about an incident that happened in Rochester, Minnesota. And it happened. No, I think it was Rochester, New York. Yeah. Uh, Rochester, New York, excuse me. Um, yes. Thank you. Um, and it it's happened around the same time as George Floyd, but it was kept under wraps for whatever reasons. Um, we may find out more of the truth as we go along. But when when that video came to light this past week, could you start with those emotions and walk us through each time one of these videos or incidents happens, what what you go through, what emotion for you? Um, yeah, so, 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 uh, as I said, my, my background is Caribbean, and I know people think we're sort of an effusive group of people, but, um, my background is also, like, you know, former British colonial era thing, and, um, at least within sort of the way that manifested itself in my family is that you're not like super emotional. Um, Mm. But, you know, in, in my head, I, I, I see myself just screaming. Um, I obviously can't do that because I live in a small apartment. <laughs> that would be really disturbing to everybody. But I mean, you just, I, I personally, I just want to scream because it's like, oh my gosh, what have they not heard? Why does this keep happening? Why mm-hmm. is it every time you turn the television on or you listen to the radio, you hear about another black person being killed by police um or or you hear about a latino person you know and i it's it it just sort of it it continues to blow my mind um that this continues to happen and the police continue to insist that we need to give them the benefit of the doubt that we need to sort of see their side 
and and I, I, and the truth is, I think, at least for me, um, I was I don't think I was necessarily scared of police. I mean, I knew like I didn't want to necessarily interact with them in any particular way, but uh, you know, in in sort of the ways I had interacted with them. Generally, it's, it was pretty positive, um, and I think starting with um, the Eric Holt, uh, Eric Gardner, Gardner. Um, yeah. and everything else that's happened, I, you know, I just I feel scared. I mean, I I'm just, you know, and and I try and I'm trying not to be because. I mean, I you know you know I I know that's not healthy for me physically, right? I mean, it's not just a mental toll, but it can take a physical toll on you, and so it's like okay, I I've got to try to figure out how to sort of manage that, like just feeling scared and anxious, because you know you can't live life in like a flight. Uh, adrenaline pumping you know sort of running through you um so yeah so so i think i mean that's that's i think you know when when i sort of rip away everything that's that's where i am i mean but you know if you run into me on a regular basis that's not certainly what i'm going to show you because um that's you know that's not the way i think you can interact with people um Yeah, for for me, um, I agree with with Cheryl. Um, while while it's dis- distressing to s- keep seeing these videos and to keep hearing about them, you still want to enjoy life. You still need to work, but it makes it so so hard. Um, I think it was maybe a week ago or so, you know, I'm starting my day. I'm thinking everything is okay. Um, and I just couldn't even, couldn't even work. I had to, I had to vent out my frustration because, you know, trying to do shows like this, doing listening sessions at work. Um, You know, I'm talking to police officers, rank and file police officers to see how I can help and be a bridge. And it seems like it's never enough. And then at the same time telling myself, I can't save the, the whole world. Everybody has to do their little piece um and to see some of the comments from people that i call friends um and what they say on social media and and not having empathy um because none of us, we, we can't know what another person is thinking because, you know, we all have our own experiences. So we see the world through those eyes. Um, but it's like people are acting as though they don't have empathy. And that's very um, troubling as well. So just trying to have that that balance, I think, is really hard right now. Well, I'm kind of wondering, I guess, Cheryl as well. Um, you know, it seems like every single day we seem to hear of a new incident of mm-hmm. police brutality and violence. And sometimes each each one seems to be more and more egregious on some level than the one before is if there isn't any learning being um, 
appreciated. And I, I'm wondering if some of the anger and rage is just coming from the, there must be a sense of powerlessness about this, this inability, no matter you know what you do, how much education, how much tolerance, how, how many listening sessions, it's not changing, it's not evolving. I'm wondering if that's part of it is, is a sense of just a degree of helplessness sometimes that just yeah. becomes overwhelming. I think it is. Um, I, I really do think it is that. Um, and then, you know, on top of the fact that many of us are staying quarantined, we don't, mm-hmm have a way to really express that, go walking, you know, Mm -hmm. get that that negative energy out. Um, I know for me, um, it's hard sitting here because you can't get away from it um, because you want to know what's going on so you can be informed. But then, and I know I feel bad if I say, I'm just going to turn this off for a little bit because I feel like when I come back, there's going to be two more stories just in a short period of time. Um, But then I'm also trying to tell myself there are a lot of people at least trying um but the the ones who want to remain ignorant are the loudest ones it seems mm-hmm. like yeah you know we started this conversation a couple of weeks ago we're a diverse group we our brothers and sisters of we have members all around the world at this point we have members from so many different cultures and to not have this conversation would have been a slap in what we call our mission statement. But for me personally, I remember when we were talking about this and, and going on Facebook and various other social medias and seeing posts or comments like, it's only a few bad apples or it's not <laughs> as bad as these protests want you to believe it is. And, and my, my, my gut wrenched. I wanted to throw up. I wanted to... like. how bad does it have to be when somebody's dead? If one Mm -hmm. person's dead, it's horrible. But how bad does it have to be when it's not just a few bad apples anymore? So I'm hoping that by having these conversations, we can at least inspire. You said something in in our previous conversation and the first conversation, spawned the second conversation about being an ally, a co-conspirator, or just standing on the sidelines watching and I'm hoping we can inspire some people to be co-conspirators and to step up and to be louder so that we can match the loudness on the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even with people who just want to be an ally um, and study because <laughs> we need people to study because, you know, like, like we were saying a little bit earlier, People only know what they what they're accustomed to. So, you know, I kind of realized that there are some some people out there who for them the police do protect and serve. And they don't see people being shot in the back and and possibly paralyzed for the rest of their life or they don't see people being shot in front of their three uh, children. Um, so, you know, it. I understand it's hard for them to get a, a handle on that. But like you said earlier, Anthony, it, 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 it's, it's too much of this going on. And when do people start taking their head out of the sand? When Will, you pointed out, I was just going to say, 
Will, you pointed out something that that I that I've always um, I've always I always try to practice empathy uh, before throwing out a judgment or a word or even a thought. And uh, what you mentioned had so much power about three kids uh, yeah. seeing their father shot uh, by the police. Uh, so you're seeing, you're growing up with this image. And those, you know, those are the years in which your personality and your brain is being developed and formed and is setting up for what and who you are going to become as an adult. So I'm just thinking 20, 25 years from now, what do you expect those kids to think of, of the police? They, you know, that that's, that's a trauma that is going to stay with them for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because that, that doesn't leave, that doesn't leave a person. Um, and not only that, they're going to be reminded of it every day. Um, just by li looking at their, their dad live life, um, they're going to be reminded of it. Eric Gardner's mother made a, a really powerful statement not long after George Floyd saying that I, I didn't set up to be this role. I didn't ask for this, mm -hmm. but I'm here. But every time I have to witness, every time I'm asked to speak, every time it's like my son is dying all over again. Mm -hmm. and, I, and when I heard the, the, the power inside the, those words, I just, I can't fathom what it must be like for member, you know, for members of the family, for community members who interacted, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. I, I can't imagine, you know, it must open the wound, as she said, every mm -hmm. single time. Over, it rips it open, like tearing off that scar, that scab, and it never heals. Right, right. And I think I'm about to say something very controversial. So <laughs> people are constantly wanting people to have peaceful protest. When people are traumatized by not only seeing it, but by living it. And yes, we, we should take every moment to be peacefully prote protesting. But you know, like you can have the sweetest dog in the world. And if you get that dog and beating that dog and beating that dog, that dog is eventually going to bite. And I think that's why some of these uh, protests, and it's not many of them, as as comparatively speaking, our, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. as our president will have you believe, not many are turning into riots. But what do people expect if people that look like them keep getting video, uh, recorded on video, keep getting off? and keep killing other people that look like them with no consequences. Um, so it behooves all of us to do something. And this, I keep saying it's gonna look different in every, every locality because everywhere is not the same issue. Um, but we need to, we need to stop pretending that there's nothing going on. Um, and we need to, it's not just looking at, you know, Donald Trump or anything like that, or the U.S. Congress. We need to get here and look at our, our mayors and city councils and, you know, who's running the county or, and parishes we have to do something or else it's gonna get worse.
Well, a lot of people will say around election time, you know, uh-huh. I don't really care. It doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, who my <clears throat> how, who my council member is from my city. I don't really care about that. But you know what? It's those things, Will, mm-hmm. you just pointed out from that grassroots level mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that countywide, even you know, citywide level, it's even the school boards, you know, Mm -hmm. supervisors, because, you know, those are the folks are in charge of working with children in hopes that they will grow up to be empathetic, understanding, supportive, embrace everybody. Those things are so, so, so important. A lot of people go, maybe they'll vote, you know, for the president, vice president, maybe United States Senate, Congress, Mm -hmm. but then they look at the other names on the ballot and they're like, I don't care about this. This doesn't matter to me. Well, Mm -hmm. these things matter acutely, acutely. They are so important because if, if you are going to, if change is going to evolve, it's, it, I can't make that point any more ardently than you just did. Well, it's got to start there the protests are incredibly important and there's so mm-hmm. many brave people that have gone out <laughs> despite covid over mm-hmm. the past few months and they participated however those protests aren't actually going to change anything until the people who are governing and supervising and in charge are elected with mm-hmm. you know it, it, with an educated um, voice and eye to the ballot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I totally support what you're saying, Leah. I mean, um, I think, you know, um, that for a long time, many people had that belief that I just needed to vote for the top of the ticket mm-hmm. and the other stuff doesn't matter. But it so completely matters because in the end, as you said, it's like who's sitting on your school board? Because they're the ones who determine, you know, they determine like what history, like what, what, what's English, what, you know, do we, do we have special ed and how do we integrate, do we or do we not integrate kids with special education in our school? Um, If if I can just give you one example of of how critical it is, and it's an embarrassing one to me because it's in my family, but my grandmother for many years, sat on the school board of uh, her local school because she wanted to be an involved community member. And um, there was a decision made that she was heavily involved in to, this was in the early 90s, uh, to to fire a teacher that um, many people on the school board thought was a lesbian. And uh, they fired her because I guess one of the board members had gone to her house and it was a one bedroom apartment and she was living with another woman. So, you know, they reached that assessment. And that's why it's so important because people, I love my grandmother very much because she was my grandmother, but people elected, you know, individuals like her over and over and over again. And you really have to be careful and understand what those officials that you are marking on the ballot, if you do vote, you need to know what they stand for and, and what values they, they represent, yes. you know, because mm-hmm. as, as things, it, it goes to the fundamentals of who's teaching, you know, children and what the values are of the school board and tolerance and compassion and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and you think about, I mean, here in Boston, you know, our, you know, I'd say on the whole, our mayor is a good guy, but I've got to say, I totally disagree with his decision because he decided that the, the, the budget, they were only going to like reallocate 3% of the police budget to social programs. I was like 3%. You could sneeze oh. and lose that much money. <laughs> I mean, you know. So yeah. So I mean, I, I'm I'm joking, but I mean, you know, it it was serious because, in in unfortunately, our council 
people agreed. Um, and, you know, then they sent out their email sort of justifying their decisions. And they could have voted against it. They could have, like, made an issue of it and said, like, no, 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 3% is way too, you know, too low. Uh -huh. Go sit down and let's, let's really come up with a number that is that is meaningful and that will have some impact on um, you know ensuring that we can provide some social services as as alternatives um, instead of people calling the police for all types of assistance um, so it's that type of stuff I mean and I think you just you just you know you do need to to be aware um, and you need you know a lot I mean we need we need to um, if if you're somebody who like doesn't read your newspapers, um, you know, as a blind person, we thank goodness now have tons of ways to access news news information. Uh -huh. you don't have to rely on somebody cited who may or may not want to read you stuff anymore. You know, mm -hmm. so I think you you take that power on. You you take mm -hmm. on the power, and and you go out and you get informed. Um, you know, I mean, be a nuisance. Call up candidates and ask them, like, what do you think about this? You may not get to the candidate, but you might get to one of their representatives and you'll get some information. Even if they send you to their website, go look on their website, see what they stand for, because it's we, we can no longer sort of say we have certain principles and then just sort of on in an on you know, without education, without no and then sort of go and vote for people anymore because they're 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 not always on our side we have to become extremely self-interested yeah so. we have a really unique opportunity tonight we have a president on two of them actually but we have the parent organization president on the program with us this evening you heard his remarks at the beginning and acb the organization put out statements and started conversations on the blog, et cetera, et cetera. What would you ask of President Dan Spoon in this regards to keep this conversation continuing? And what what do you hope for the organization in general to hear you and, and what acts do you need to see here slash feel to feel like you've been heard? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Um, I, I, I love the fact that Dan said we're listening and that we need to be intentional about putting what we hear and learn into action. Um, one thing that I would like to see is to take a and you, you guys might be doing this already, is to revamp um, the, the, cult, the multicultural uh, committee um, to encompass, and I'm, I'm biased with the <laughs> cultural humility because it's a never ending process. It's, it's never ending. And then we're learning so much more. Because um, everything is an intersection. Um, so I'm hoping that that get, gets looked at. Because I know there's only so much that ACB itself can do or enforce but there's we have a, a a big chance to educate our members um so i think that's probably one of the simplest things that i can think of at this at this point in time Shara? um so uh certainly i think as will has said sort of and I, I think it's done, but maybe not with the terminology that's current. So, you know, uh, I think the multi, I, I have to speak up a little bit. The multicultural committee, I think, does 
try to work on diversity and inclusion issues. And um, at present, we're not using terms like intersectionality, but I think because of the composition of its membership, um, the discussion happens because you can't, you know, be a black person who is blind, who is a woman, who, you know, is married and not in some way bring all those perspectives into discussions mm -hmm. when you have them. So mm -hmm. those, those things are happening. Um, so I think absolutely we need to continue those types of conversations. Um, I suppose some tangible things, and again, I don't know because I am totally blind, um, but I think like some simple things we can do is as we look at our website, for instance, make sure that the website sort of reflects the cultural diversity and ethnic diversity that's mm -hmm. within the organization. Um, you know, look at the our, uh, composition of our staff. Again, I don't know, I can't see, um, and there's no data that I'm aware of that I could look at, but to, to also look at our staff and to talk about, you know, sort of where do we stand around uh, racial and ethnic diversity and mm -hmm. is that, I, I don't know if it exists already, or is it something that, that we should be working towards? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then sort of within our, our sort of overall membership, I think, you know, we've already talked about some of this, um, looking at issues of sort of identifying sort of different ways that leadership you know, people with potential to become leaders can get into the, can contribute to ACB. Um, and I know that, you know, there's the, uh, there's some programs that are already set up, like the JP Morgan Fellowship. Um, but I, I, but I, I think there might be other opportunities because, I mean, f you know, thinking about the fact that people come to the organization and they're coming in sort of with, with different levels of skills and knowledge and mm -hmm. is there a way to sort of take advantage of that and not say to everybody oh you've got to go through this particular role and if you don't mm -hmm. do it this way uh you know too bad because i think as an organization then acb and um, our affiliates lose out if we're not able to sort of broaden our concept of how do we get people in as members how do we make them active members, and then how do we sort of get them to recognize and to gain those leadership skills so that they can give even more to the organization, so. Right. Yeah, and I, w I wanna ask if, if you wanna respond, and I also wanna ask the three of you as a group what you hope for tomorrow night's listening to accomplish or to at least start some, what you hope it starts. Dan? Oh, well, uh, thank you, Anthony, it's Dan. Um, listening to, you know, uh, Will and Cheryl and, and, and all, everybody, it's, um, I, 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 am, I am with you guys. I'll, I'll give you an example, and, and it's, there's so many opportunities, right? And we kind of have to seize the opportunities as they come along, you know, and kind of, take advantage of them. So one, one example, and, and you all have kind of spoken to this, but I think it's so human nature to, to select people for, for committees, for task forces, for those type of things, to reach out to the people you already know, right? And, and say, you know, I, you know, I, I know this particular individual and I'd like to, you know, you know, see if they'd be interested in this opportunity. And it, it's human nature, but it but it keeps you inside your little bubble. Right. So when I when I first became president, what I did was, you know, try to reach out beyond that and you know, go through constant contact. It was a learning exercise for me because the first thing I did 
was I just reached out to the leadership list and I said, who's interested in being on a committee, right? Well, it's already a bubble, right? It's your existing leaders that you're asking if they'd like to participate in a committee. Now they have the ability to reach out to their memberships, you know, and forward on the message. And I got about maybe 10 or 12 emails back from people that expressed an interest in joining this committee or that committee. Then I said, well, I, I want to reach out further. So I actually prepared a message that went out on constant contact and went out to all of our membership that had an email address. Well, I got back over a hundred emails of people that would be interested in joining committees and, you know, had conversations with all those folks and responded. And I know like Gabriel, you're involved in the international relations committee where we got four or mm -hmm. five, for an example, new members that joined that committee that were people of different backgrounds uh, that came from different countries that had immigrated to the United States that had different experiences, which really, I think we could ask Sandra, but I think really enrich that, that committee by getting new voices and in, in people involved. And so I think, you know, that happened across a lot of the committees. And I think we have to do more and more of that. We just put together a task force, a resolutions ad hoc uh, task force to look at changing the resolutions process. Well, immediately, everybody wanted to be, wanted me to have the ad hoc committee be all people who had a lot of experiences being on the resolutions committee. And I said, well, if we're looking at changing and improving the process, if we involve only the group of people that have been doing it for, for the last 10, 20, 30 years, are we really going to to get fresh views and fresh perspectives? Are we hearing from our entire diverse population? So, you know, I, I really, we worked really hard to kind of reach out to new voices and new people to be part of that committee. Uh, and again, I think that's kind of my, what, you know, Will was kind of picking up that I said the first time, I think you we have to start be very, being very intentional about this. So we need to invest in things like working with the multicultural affairs to have someone like Jane come in and speak to our group as a third party voice that can talk about racism and anti-racism and what, what those views are and the paradigms that everybody lives in. You know, we have, we have to, kind of put our money where our mouth is and start having those conversations. So how do we mentor people that could be the next round of leaders inside this organization that aren't people that look like the current leaders? You know, it left, left to its own devices, it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy and we'll continue to get the friends and associates of the people that are in positions of power today, right? So we have to kind of break that paradigm a little bit, I, I believe. Um, and, um, and, and so I think those are, you know, some of the area. I, I, first of all, you know, I'm an old white guy, right? And so I grew up, I grew up in the South. I've gone through a lot of experiences. My father was a principal, a high school principal. My mom was a high school guidance counselor. We, you know, all went to integrated schools, went through that whole process in the South. It's amazing how things, we're not by any stretch of the imagination there, but, you know, I can remember being in the fourth grade and our phone ringing every night because, uh, you know, my, my father had, you know, at that point in time, welcomed, uh, you know, black players on a, on a football uh, on as part of the football team. And our family would literally get death threats every night during, wow. during the season. Mm. Um, you know, these are experiences that kind of stay with you for the rest of your, uh, for the rest of your life. I can remember, mm. you know, uh, stopping at a diner in Leesburg, Florida on the way from, from a football game. And, and literally the owner would not let the team, the 
quote-unquote white players were allowed to go into the restaurant, but not the black players. So the whole team, of course, got up, got on the bus and left, you know. Mm-hmm. So these are, um, you know, these are experiences that you kind of carry with you. And so it was kind of, and if I'm rambling too much, guys, I apologize. But um, when you all were asking about the emotion of seeing the things we've seen, all the different instances, whether it be George Floyd or the recent incident in, in Rochester, New York, um, and on and on. And, and you're right, they just keep coming. You're like, how many more of these can there be? But the emotion is this, this is, this is not right. It's, 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 I think really awakened a consciousness inside of our country at this point in time. But how do we take that? How do we take that consciousness that's been awakened? I think by the majority of, of the country, there's, there's always, you know, other sides of things, but the majority of the country, I believe, really want significant change to take place. And so how do we, how do we take that emotion and turn it into, turn it into action? You know, I think that in, in inside ACB and inside and, and across the, the country, it's, 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 it's at different levels, but the emotion for me is I keep, this is, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And, and then you feel a little, you feel ashamed at times that you, you, you almost feel like ashamed that you're, that, that this has been happening and how, how could you not have been a little more aware of it? You know, you think maybe you're, you're, you're not a person that has prejudice or racism, but then maybe you do and you just haven't even realized it. You know, that's, it's, this it's it's a very um it's a very That's difficult a time and it's and it's Will. more than voting i mean voting heck i'm gonna go vote and i'm gonna vote you know for people that 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 are um you know are definitely you know on the side of justice but i you know mm-hmm. but it's more than that right it's got to be how do you get the city councils to work with the police departments to do the right thing. You know, Val Demings is our representative oh, here in Orlando. Dan, you read my mind. I was waiting to, to bring wonderful, up Val Demings. Wonderful spokesman. But, you know, how do you take that next step of, of uh, you know, really changing the rules and changing the, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be society's got to be behind this, and I think they, I mm-hmm. think the majority of people are right now. But, but I do feel I feel a lot of guilt to be totally honest with you, at times, that I haven't I, just, seen, I haven't I haven't done enough. You know, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say something really quickly. Um, uh, I just don't want to leave uh, my emotions out since this this is the topic today um and i want to share with everyone and most likely i'll be sharing as well tomorrow but uh, tonight i just want to share like dan said and will and we all been saying tonight for the past hour you keep seeing over and over and over and over again and to me it's like you would expect like you know like and i'm gonna just put out a comparison like detention you know you kid misbehaves you take them to detention it's an exemplary and it's also like you know you they say you know in their minds they're saying okay I better behave now because I'm under watch so I take this to the grand scheme of things and and you see that uh, these people are saying uh, exactly just after George Floyd you you would think they would ha- they would take a very humble very, um, very, oh, you know, extra careful. And you see them doing more blatantly. So what is the entitlement? What is mm-hmm. that they feel that protects them? What is it that they feel they can do this without consequence? And the other thing is the other comparison that to me, it continues to be 
and, and answer the question. How is it that uh, you keep hearing everyday stories of unarmed black men being shot? Mm-hmm. Sometimes like Will said in front of their kids and you get a mass shooter in El Paso, Texas, who is white captured totally intact. To me that those questions baffle my mind. And I'm not saying that I wish they would have killed him. I'm just saying the contradictions of the system. And that is where my emotions flare up. And I say, there's something evidently wrong. How can you not see it? And, and that's, 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 that's where I'm at. And that's where my personal fight is forth to bring equality. And I'm not saying that some should be killed and some shouldn't be killed. No one should be killed uh, unless it's an extreme situation, but that's beside the point. I'm, I'm talking systemically, right? Human life should be the first value respected. And, well, we and that have, is where I am. We have time for one last question and it's for Will and Cheryl. And hopefully this will be something that's discussed a little bit more tomorrow. So, Dan brought up something that that made me think those who don't say anything, what is the emotion surrounding for you guys surrounding that situation? Friends of yours who don't say anything and you know that they know what's going on and you know that they know in their heart it's wrong. Is it just as bad as the ones that speak out in hate? I'm the... I believe it was Martin Luther King Jr. that said something along the lines of, you know, those that don't do anything or say anything are just as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was Martin Luther King Jr. It's a lot of times even worse. Because a lot of those people that, you know, get on social media <laughs> and spout their hatred um, and pretend it's not uh, racism, um, silence sometimes is worse. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, and I know sometimes it's fear, mm. but... You know, at some some point, you know, they're going to stop coming after one group and they may come after the other group. And First if, they came, yep. Yeah. If they didn't yep. speak out then, there's not going to be anybody left to speak for you. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, we would like to thank you so very much for listening tonight. And please join us tomorrow evening at 7.30. The invite will be on all the lists. It is an open conversation for all ACB members to talk about the emotions surrounding the conversation that we had tonight and what we've had for the last couple of weeks. I think we have one minute. So um, Leah usually closes our program, but since we drop off, I would uh, like to invite Cheryl to close our program in the last minute or so. So this is going to seem a little extreme, but I want to give out, because I, I don't know who else you can call, for anybody um, who might be feeling really stressed and anxious, um, the number I want you to know in, is the um, National Prevention Suicide Line, um, and that number yes. is 1-800-273-8255. Five five, so it's around. It's open twenty four hours, um, and and if you really, you know, as they said, this is like a perfect storm. We're isolated, we're being traumatized, and mm-hmm. and we're economically threatened for some people. Um, so if if you really need somebody to talk to, please please call the number. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Cheryl, and thank you, Will. Thank you, Dan for representing our parent organization and for expressing that willingness to listen and to act. Thank you all. We have will. a good night. Have a good Thanks. night, everyone. Right. Thanks, Everyone, Dan. have a good night. All right, bye. Byron, take us away. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org.